0: This is the Roaring Often Podcast for the fourteenth of August, twenty eighteen. Podcast about Apache Hadoop and its surrounding ecosystem for anybody working with or investigating big data and advanced analytics. My name is John, and here is my streaming co-host Dave.
1: Yes, streaming because I have hay fever. <laughs> That's a lovely picture for everybody. Oh no! <laughs> Still, um, the, we're we're really here to talk about a different kind of streaming. I hope aren't so. We? I really hope so. <laughs> So yeah, the the folks at Streamlio uh, reached out to us again, and of course they're the they're the organisation behind uh, Apache Pulsar and Bookkeeper and all of that fabulous goodness. Um, we have had uh, the uh, the Streamlio team uh, back on before, probably about six months, six or mm. six or eight months December, ago, December,
0: January, something,
1: yeah, something like that. Uh, but they they came to us with a, a lot of uh, new things that are coming down the pipeline, and were excited to talk to us about it. So uh, this is split across two different episodes, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, let's uh, let's let them get into it. Definitely. So welcome back to the the Streamlio folk. We've got uh, once again joined by uh, Matteo and CG from uh, from Streamlio, the, the folks. That are heavily interested and excited about Apache Pulsar. Uh, welcome back, guys.
2: Thank you. Hi.
3: Thank you.
1: So um, obviously we're we're here to, to to find out a little bit about what's been happening in the world of uh, of Apache Pulsar. Um, it's it's been kind of about six months since we since we last talked. So uh,
0: yeah, what have, what have you guys been doing? Well, maybe let the guys introduce themselves as well. I mean, a lot of people have joined the podcast since they were on, so maybe give them a little moment for themselves as well.
1: Okay, okay. <laughs> but for those that that want to catch up on the <laughs> earlier stuff, episode sixty four. Um, but yeah, so I mean, Matteo, do you want to do you want to introduce yourself first?
2: Sure. Hi. So I'm Matteo Merli. I. I work on Porsa. I was one of the co-creators of Porsa back at Yahoo. I've been at Yahoo for many years. And now we mm-hmm. are at streamer, and we are uh, continuing the, the development of Porsa.
1: Okay. And uh, CJ,
3: how about you? Hi, uh, hi everyone. Uh, my name is CJ. Uh, I was one of the uh, committer and uh, PMC member of Apache Porsa. And uh, I also... I'm also one of the co founder of streamde mm-hmm. uh and before joining streamde and i was uh working at twitter leading the whole uh mastering uh project in uh, at twitter mm-hmm. yeah that's it so so All you've right. done a little bit with big data then <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's so so between you how many how many years of big data experience are we talking to here
2: uh I don't I I don't know, I'm on my side, uh I'm not like seven years or so. Yeah, I I I'm
3: probably like uh six to seven years as well. Yeah, so
1: wow, it's like four four fourteen and a half years of uh of experience between uh, between you both. That's 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 impressive for um <laughs> uh something that's not been around for, for all that long. That's that's good stuff. So, I mean, the, the, we've we've talked a little bit about um, Apache Pulsar um, before, but perhaps for, for those that, that, that weren't um, weren't listening to the podcast way back when, could you give a sort of a, a brief introduction to Apache Pulsar? Um, what is it, and why should people uh, why should people care about
2: it? So Apache Pulsar is essentially is a distributed PubSub sub messaging system. Um, it's um, it has a few peculiar features that are uh, that differentiated from uh, other messaging systems, and uh, namely the, the biggest one is the is the way that uh, the storage and messaging layer are treated. So we have we have two d- different layers for storage. We use Apache Bookkeeper for for messaging for the d- data serving is, is what pulsar actually is so um, that is the uh, the biggest uh, architectural difference and uh, and because of that we can uh try to um we support the different use cases for like for, for typically for streaming uh, um uh use cases or for like, for more traditional messaging and queuing uh use cases that's the okay. the very short like five 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 words uh, <laughs> introduction
1: <laughs> all right yeah. so um obviously the 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 grandfather of uh, of this sort of um pubsub world is, is apache kafka i know that um sort of the it, that's probably the the technology that most people are more familiar with in this space so um, perhaps worth worth spending a bit of time on the the journey um, from um, from Kafka to um, to Apache Pulsar. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about um, Yahoo's sort of journey there?
2: Oh sure. So um, I would say that Kafka and Pulsar, uh, the, the this pace, I mean the. The kind of problem that can be solved with both there is a, a big overlap, uh, mm-hmm. but the where they come from is is very different. Uh, so um, essentially, so Kafka was uh, coming from the replicating uh, HTTP logs and aggregating that into in, into a single place for processing. Right. That that was the initial use case, and then it kind of evolved, and also the kind of features evolved from from there to into. Uh, adding more feature on top of that core. Um, for Pursar it was always starting from the messaging side. And um, and so it's it's not so this is some kind of so Pursar basically is the evolution of of different set of projects that that were done over, over the years at Yahoo, or mm-hmm. uh, all, all in the area of messaging and uh, data, data database replication. So we had a lot of systems that were doing uh, the database replication, and we had a lot of teams doing uh, messaging on their own, uh, using ActiveMQ, using Kafka, uh, since in some cases or using uh, TipCo even. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there were like a, a, a huge amount of uh, different projects running different things. And uh, each team was on on their own. So the comp- comp- company wide, we realized that, that there, there, w- there was a need for a, for a single um, service for 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 the company, and that that and that service should be able to um, to serve all these kind of different kind of workloads. You have like from like from a huge database application with uh, uh, lots of different topics. I mean, to very high throughput log aggregation, to, to stream-processing jobs, to uh, asynchronous processing for for queuing, and all this kind of stuff. So we try we try to basically to take all of these uh, lessons and all the use cases and try to build that into a scalable uh, system that 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 could be run as a multi tenant service. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, how long is that ago? When was that?
2: So the uh, i mean different systems were, were were there like for, for, for the past 10 years at least uh-huh. uh, eventually like the the we started uh right uh, basically the first inc- 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 incarnation was that we we had a lot, lot, lot of people using jms at yahoo and in the mm-hmm. years ago so the the first it, it, uh, iteration was to basically to to have a jms a as a service kind of solution uh, so we, we basically took JMS in form of ActiveMQ and we basically plugged in uh, uh, a scalable distributed storage with book, Bookkeeper and um, and that was working fine and until we, we, we kind of had, like hit, hit the limitation of both JMS and ActiveMQ so we decided to rewrite the, the broker part to make it more suited to a, a horizontally scalable uh, service and so that that last. Uh, Rewrite basically from like
1: two thousand fourteen. Okay. So, I mean you you've mentioned uh, you've mentioned Bookkeeper a number of times. You want to perhaps expand a little bit on how how Bookkeeper fits into the the Pulsar story.
2: Uh, let's see. As uh,
3: sure. Uh, so uh, so Bookkeeper uh, you can think uh, Bookkeeper is uh, highly uh, scalable. Uh, log storage or stream storage, what, what we have been caught in, uh, as a, as a uh, you can think about it's a share log storage or uh, a distributed log storage. And so it provides, uh, append only logs as the fundamental, uh, storage abstraction. So, uh, you can, uh, applications or service can use this, uh, share log storage to build, uh, any application on, on top of it. So it kind of acting as, uh, as, as the, uh, data layer or storage layer for storing all the messages that, uh, produced, uh, from Pulsar clients through Pulsar brokers. So because, uh, the, uh, uh, all the, uh, functionalities in bookkeeper, it provides like things like, uh, uh high throughput, uh, low latency and be able to support minions, of uh, box and, uh, it does, all the, uh, replication. And also it's a segment based architecture. So you can uniformly, uh, distribute all data across, uh, uh, storage node. It simplifies a lot of uh, work on building um, a reliable messaging system on top of it. And uh, from what I have been seeing uh, from a lot of uh, messaging systems that people usually start from non-replicate solutions. And eventually uh, when they want to scale up the messaging solution, they need to build in uh duplication then need to eventually evolve into adding more and more uh storage functionality into messaging system and which it make the uh system become more complicated and pausa is kind of starting uh from a different direction because bookkeeper was there providing all this kind of functionality and it makes uh we are able to introduce uh two-layer architecture which we think this architecture is more cloud-friendly or cloud native approach. It basically separate uh, the mastering system into two layers. One layer is uh, serving layer, which is uh uh is the postal Broker that takes the mastery in from producer and serving other mastery out for consumers, and the uh, the, the other layer, which is the storage layer, and Uh, which uh, was using Bookkeeper and that has been uh, prior to Pulsar, Bookkeeper has been used by a lot of enterprise. By separating these two uh, layers, it actually gives a lot of uh, benefit to uh, scalable PubSub messaging. For example, such as uh, independent scalability. That means uh, uh, in the Pulsar broker, broker became more steady. So uh as your traffic increase, you can drop in uh more brokers. Uh you can even integrate with any uh schedulers like Kubernetes to do auto-scaling for your broker uh for your, sa- okay. uh for your brokers, which is your serving there. And uh if you want to keep the data for much longer retention or uh, you want to uh, handle any, uh, system outage that master cannot be consumed as fast as you can. You can just simply, uh, drop in, uh, more data. Um, sorry, more bookies, which is the, the storage node for keeping data for much longer time. Um, by separating these two layers, it also gives a lot of, uh, flexibility on controlling how data is distributed and how quickly you can react to, uh, failures. Which provide much better uh, availability and also uh, uh, failure, uh, so fail over scenarios. Yeah. And uh, more importance is uh, when you handle failures or you uh, want to do class expansion, you don't need to do a lot of expensive uh, data uh in other system that usually do. So that is sort of the what. Uh, Bookkeeper fits into the Pulsar mastering and what Bookkeeper has been given to Pulsar uh, are all, all this kind of flexibility and benefit. Hope that kind of uh, explaining how Bookkeeper fits into Pulsar. Yeah,
0: sure. But it does sound like it's, it's two separate components which work together. Now, if I'm, if I'm going to start using Pulsar, then do I install, maintain, manage Book uh, the booking Separately, or does that come into one assembled whole? Let's say, so um,
3: just from um, a management so point of view, Porsa, from Pulsar perspective, uh, all the bookkeeper is shipping as uh, a, a library okay. or, uh, as along with the brokers. So, uh, from Pulsar, you can uh, deploy as a as, uh, as, as traditional messaging is you can run the bo- broker in bookie in the same process and deploy uh, into uh, one uh, one cluster without uh, you have similar experience as before but you you want to fully leverage all the benefits that uh provide by this kind of 2 layer uh, uh so tier layer uh, uh, architecture or you want to have better integration with uh a scheduler, like Mesos, Kubernetes, mm-hmm. uh, you uh, Pulsar also provide the flexibility, you are able to run this component separately. Okay. And uh, I said that uh, bookkeeper was kind of uh, was there uh, prior to Pulsar. So if you already running bookkeeper in your cluster, you can uh, reuse your uh, bookkeeper and just run uh, Pulsar uh, uh, broker as well, so this kind of give the uh, flexibility for uh, different kind of users, like large scale users, uh, medium size or small size of users. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. but if somebody already runs a bookkeeper instance for something else, can they just reuse that, or should they have a specific one separate with the Pulsar? I mean, you say you can uh, have it installed separately on a on a, a Kubernetes cluster or something like that. Can that be a multi Uh, workload bookkeeper or should you have a bookkeeper for Pulsar specifically?
3: Um, I think uh, uh, you can uh, if you're already running bookkeeper then you don't have need to uh, 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 set up a brand new bookkeeper cluster for Pulsar and that, that is because uh, in Bookkeeper, we kind of deal deal with all this kind of uh, mm-hmm. backward compatibility. Mm-hmm. So uh, for most of the version that uh, have been shipping by Bookkeeper, we are kind of backward compatible. <laughs> so Pulsar also deal uh, very good with this kind of backward compatibility with with Bookkeeper. So if you already have a cluster running, you definitely can just uh, run uh, Pulsar Broker uh, with that. that that Bookkeeper cluster. Uh, And uh, the second question is, if you already have a Bookkeeper cluster running and uh, can you just uh, run uh, Pulsar with other workloads? Uh, Definitely you can do that uh, because uh, Bookkeeper was designed uh, for uh, isolation. Mm -hmm. So uh, in in the story there, it's able to handle, uh, it has a good IO isolation between different kind of uh, workloads like uh, tailing reads, uh, catch up reads, and also writes. So mm-hmm. it has a good uh, storage architecture to make sure different aspects of the IO workloads are kind of isolated. Mm-hmm. So that is well, why uh, uh, Pulsar's uh, favorite uh, bookkeeper as uh, the storage there.
0: Yeah, 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 great. Yeah. Just maybe to, to finish off, one last question. Uh, on a on a busy Kafka cluster, you need to have a lot of spindles to keep it all running nicely so that it can keep up. Uh, using Bookkeeper, what are the recommendations for the underlying infrastructure you would need for that? Similar? Or? Uh, uh,
3: so, sorry, uh, I didn't. Uh, it, you're talking about the disk? Uh, well, basically, if
0: you're running a bookkeeper, what kind of infrastructure should be below that? Because with Kafka, you kind of need to have a lot of spindles to have all the throughput going through. Uh, with a bookkeeper system, that is also a, a significant uh, performance demand, I would say. Uh,
2: so, yeah, so, yeah, th- there's also one, uh, one, one other angle to that uh, uh-huh. question, right? Uh, the, the angle is that is because typically, like, uh, even in Kafka, like, when your data set, so if you're reading from uh, from the latest data that is written, basically you're always reading from page cache, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. That typically your readers are not impacting the the, the, yep. the, the disc activity. That works well and if you have uh, not many um, partitions on a single broker, and uh, if your readers are uh, yeah, close to the writer, but it can, It can go bad if you start falling behind, because Mm -hmm. at at that point you're generating more IO on the read path, and uh, so you you always need to uh, kind of like prepare for the worst condition. Yep. Because otherwise, the the moment you your readers consumers are falling back, that's probably you can hit the the point of no return, right? Mm -hmm. If if you cannot keep up with incoming rate, because messages are keep coming in.
1: So, what what would um, if we're talking about you know Pulsar and, and Bookkeeper? What would the typical sort of um, specifications of hardware that people would be looking at for for for
2: these? So uh, again, if if you put put in data on disk, then the, the better disk, the disk, uh, the more disk, the uh, and 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 faster the better. There are a few trades-off depending on. What kind of uh, environment you are? If it's like on cloud or on 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 prem, where you have more flexibility in choosing kind of disks. Uh, but typically, um, the the ideal configuration is that you can you have like single nodes with many disks, and you have RAID controllers, and these mm-hmm. can be spindles. and And at that point, you can take advantage of the RAID controller and uh, separating physical devices. Uh, in bookkeeper, there's a concept of journal, and uh, and and then concept of, of storage device. Mm-hmm. So data is first uh, written and flashed on the journal before acknowledging, and then it is uh, flashed later on the on the storage mm-hmm. device. So that makes for all sequential writes, which are friendly even for uh, for spindles, not just S- SSDs, mm-hmm. and uh, the other. Uh, Feature of bookkeeper is that it can work. Uh, it can be very fast even when the data is F synced on, on the journal. So if you if you if you have a dedicated device for for the journal and if 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 you, if you have a red controller, then the, the F sync on that re, uh, on that device can can be very very low latency in terms of uh, a few milliseconds, uh, I mean, even less than one one millisecond with data guaranteed to be flashed on disk. Mm-hmm. And that having that, these two devices, that, is, that was what you were mentioning about IO isolation. So uh, the critical writes are done on the journal device and the other and then are flashed into the storage device. That means that um, when you do a write, is, is, it doesn't need to touch the disk on the, on the journal, which is dedicated for that. So even if you have readers that are reading and are, and are reading from the disk, won't, they won't. won't impact the latency or the throughput on the on the on the writers. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So we've talked a little bit about um, about Pulsar. We've talked quite a bit about Bookkeeper. The other sort of um, piece in this story seems to be something called um, Heron that we haven't touched on yet. So how does how does Heron fit into
3: this uh, into this story? Uh, so, uh, you uh, so usually, uh, so back, uh, into the experience that we have in the, um, uh, Twitter, or uh, like in those kind of internet company, mm-hmm. that typically when people want to build, a, a data pipeline, uh, uh, people usually need to get a messaging system. So get the data, uh, uh kind of streaming in, uh, from different sources into the system. And you want to keep the data for a duration for analytics purpose for, um, for being able to reprocess, uh, and, or maybe for, uh, the consumer is being uh, unavailable. So you need a storage system to keep the data for a duration and you are able to, like, scale up the, uh, scale up and scale down the system. And uh so this is uh typically how data has been collecting installed, but you want uh you also want the uh flexibility to uh process the data. That's where all this kind of stream processing engine uh, comes in. And uh the stream process engine uh like things like uh, the first uh, first version of streaming engine is strong and uh what's uh, what Twitter has been done is carrying uh, Storm to the next level, which is heron and there are also other uh, different uh, Apache projects like Flink and uh, Spark. Or, sorry, Spark Streaming are also doing uh, this kind of stream processing job. And what has been uh, uh, the uh, what we have been observed is uh, in a traditional uh, in the, sorry in uh, when people building uh, data pipelines, people don't really uh, uh, kind of, uh, a lot of these kind of processing jobs are kind of very simple uh, processing job, like ETL and uh, real-time aggregation, uh, uh, react service, service, uh, maybe some simple uh, microservice. And people might end up using complicated uh, stream processing tools to to process the system, which make the system much complicated. So what we have been d- done uh, in Pulsar is uh in around um G- uh January or February, we have been adding a new uh component what we call uh lightweight, uh computing library in, in Pulsar, which is, uh, we call it, uh, Pulsar functions. We kind of, uh, uh learn a lot, uh, from the traditional streaming, uh, processing engine and also the serverless, uh, in the cloud and to provide a very simple, uh, very lightweight, uh, uh, uh computing library in, in Pulsar, what we call Pulsar function to processing the data and, uh, which, what we aim is not to replacing the existing uh, stream processing engines like carry on uh, frame, uh spark streaming what we want is to provide a uh, uh, functionality a uh, built-in functionality into a mastering system or uh, stream storage uh, streaming uh, storage system to be able to do uh, stream native uh, processing that is where we uh, see how these kind of different pieces are kind of coming together to providing a uh, unified uh, 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 real time data or streaming data uh, system. Okay,
1: so we've got we've got sort of the the core components now. You know, Pulsar, Heron, um, Bookkeeper, where. Where do things like um, sort of multi data center um, come into this? If you so in a in a typical Kafka environment, if you're going multi data center, you'll you know use something like MirrorMaker um, to to, um, to have two kind of active active um, Kafka queues. What
2: what would you do in, in the Pulsar world? So, in Pursar, uh yeah, uh, in Pulsar, the, the, the concept of jure replication is a built-in first-class uh, feature. So, mm-hmm. you don't need an external tool like MirrorMaker, uh, but instead, basically, if you do have multiple uh, Pulsar clusters in multiple data t- t- centers, you just need to configure that, um, I want these topics that belongs to this na- namespace, which is a group of, t- group of topics. I want these topics to be replicated between my region A, B, and C. And uh, it's just one admin command, and that will take care of making, making sure that the data is uh, re- asynchronously replicated across this data center in a full mesh uh, 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 co- configuration. And, uh, and you can add regions, remove regions, and uh, when new topics are created, they are automatically uh, uh, replicated and so on. And oh, if okay. data gets back, backed up, for example, you, you have a network partition between uh, US and and APAC, and uh, mm-hmm. you, you can't send, send, send it for three days, that, that gets backed up in the source region, and it will not be discarded based on time, but actually it gets retained and, until you can ship it over.
1: Okay. So um, something that you mentioned earlier on when we were talking was about um, some of the sort of some of the advantages um during failure scenarios so things like um rebalancing not being required um how, how is that you know how is that possible what what makes uh what makes this more efficient when you get to things like um you know various failure conditioning conditions occurring whether disk failure or node failure
2: so okay uh so th- th- there are two kinds of failures, right? So since we we say that we have two layers, right? Um, mm-hmm. In this case, so the brokers are effectively stateless, right? All yep. the data is stored in, in book, Bookkeeper nodes and uh, the brokers basically are, they just do data serving and basically the coordination with, with the person consumer. Um, so if a broker dies, then a topic will just be reassigned to another broker, right? There is no mm-hmm. data being moved there. Uh, the other broker Will just fetch metadata and it will be able to read the data from from the storage nodes. So that's kind of uh, so a broker has ownership of a topic or group, groups of groups of topics. And if this broker goes away, that that ownership is reassigned. That also helps in that in the sense that if you want to expand or or like dynamically expand or or shrink your cluster, that's that, that's very convenient, right? Because there's no data being moved, so. If you if your brokers are over, overloaded by, by CPU or network you can just add more and if, if you're in cloud that's even becomes better because you can uh, increase your your cluster size based on the time time of day and traffic patterns so that, that's oh, okay. very convenient okay. uh, yeah. Because like uh, moving a topics from one broker to a, to another is 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 an operation that, that takes uh, tens of milliseconds. So from a client perspective, they just they, they will just see this okay, uh, thirty milliseconds. Let's bump, that that's it. Once while it's while it's moving. Um, so that's that that is easy on the on the broker uh, scenario. Um, we also touched before that there is a this concept of segment uh, architecture, right? Uh, the idea is that um, for a single topic or partition of a topic, there is not a single bookkeeper log, but there is a, a, a sequence of logs over, over time. Um, that means that uh, every X amount of time or every X amount of data, uh, we close the current log and we, we, we create a new one. So when we create a new one, this basically the data for that particular segment will get reassigned to the available storage nodes, bookies. That means that if I add more bookies, automatically the data will start being placed on these bookies as well in a few minutes. Uh, So the data for a single topic is not stored on on a single machine. That, that makes the cluster expansion easily. And um, the, other, the other point there is the when there is a bookie failure. Um, so if a bookie fails, means that some of these uh, ledger or segments that were in this bookie now, now are uh, not available. That's for sure. Um, so if we wanted to have like three copies of our data, now we have two. Um, so there's one fundamental different from the way that uh, typical best systems do the replication, and that is that in Bookkeeper you have a single writer. In this case, is the broker, and uh, because of that, uh, this single writer can immediately switch writes to another bookie. So if I was writing to bookie one, two, and three, and bookie one fails completely, basically the 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 broker will just Swap it over and take the keep and keep writing new data to bookie four. So that makes for write availability. So we can keep writing data until we have any any three bookies in in our cluster that are available. Not just this particular set of three bookies or like two out of these three, like in Kafka, but any any three bookies you can keep writing. Um, and so. The failure happened, we, we switched the writes to available nodes and we keep going. At the same time, in background, there is a concept of um, auto-recovery. Uh, so since for some of the data we have now only two copies, we just want to make sure that we uh, go back to the, to the three replicas for every, every amount, be, be bit of data. So in background, there's a process that starts and copies, but from essentially the cop- it copies like all these segments but it's a many-to-many too many, too many copy. It's not like just copy, copy, copy from one node to another node, the whole partition, like in Kafka, but here is like uh, the segments that were in this booking. the other replicas are spread across all the, all the, all the cluster. So I, I can read from all the cluster and I can write to all the cluster to replicate it back.
1: Okay, okay. So we've, we've kind of, we've given people sort of a bit of um, in-depth around pulsar and and the various different um pieces that make up the pulsar story for those that are more familiar with with kafka um you know what 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 should they know as the sort of the primary differences between kafka and pulsar what's the what's the best way to choose you know one technology or the other
2: So uh <laughs> it's a good question. Uh I I see. So there uh there, are, uh, there are also different diff- different classes of answer right so it depends on is some uh operator asking or is a developer asking so there are, there, mm-hmm. there are d- different angles there right uh in so, if you say from an operation perspective, uh, like all these features for the, from from the storage part are, are are very interesting because it makes your cluster scalability, or cluster operation, and uh, availability, and all these p- very important points. Uh, there's there's a in, in our opinion there's a huge difference there. Um, and from a developer perspective, is more probably is more interesting in what is the, the model, what what uh, what the API looks like, what's the semantic, and the the biggest difference there is that we we talk about these streaming and queuing, but essentially it means that uh, you you can either ha- have these strongly ordered uh, streams uh, in terms of, terms of topics and 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 partitioning, but we can also support that having a a, a queue model, meaning meaning that, uh, for example, like I have a single topic, but I want to have I I have ten processes, and I want all these ten processes to basically to fetch from from queue and uh, and having this run r- robin this dispatch. That's typically in what Message Queue pro- provides, and that we can provide in the scalable way as well.
1: Okay. Um- so, with as an example, um, you know what what would be what would be a, a minimum deployment of of pulsar. What what would that look like? What would you know? How many instances of each of the 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 sort of the different components are we talking about?
2: I think I mean it, I mean you can go as low as uh, as like three. So I. You, the, I mean, the smallest deployment is a stand- standalone deployment that you can run on, on your on your laptop with no mm-hmm. replication and, and it's just one single Debian process. It does everything. Uh, of course, you don't have replication uh, yeah, of, of data. Yes. Uh, that, that, that's one single process, but it, you have all the features, uh, all the all the features. Right? That's the the, the smallest one. Uh, you can do uh, a small cluster, uh, as we, as CG was mentioning. So. We have these two logical layers, uh, but say if you, if you do have a three node cluster, it doesn't make sense to have separate, uh, storage and serving, uh, that doesn't, I mean, independent scalability at, at that point is not really a concern. So you can just run the, the a single process that runs b- both bookkeeper and, 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 and poor mm-hmm. So, and again, if one rep- rep- replication, uh, uh, recommendation would be to have, like I say, three nodes and uh, the, the size of these nodes depends on, the, on your throughput typically
1: yeah. okay so the, the, the really the, the, the value here is that because you've separated the um, the, the serving layer from the storage layer with, with sort of um, pulsar and bookkeeper you can you can scale those different pieces independently
2: yes if you need to
1: yeah if you need to so, okay so so a small a small cluster could be just three nodes um with located pulsar and bookkeeper and you know you can choose to split those out into six nodes or you know scale the scale each of the layers um independently yes. from that point onwards yes okay but but three's three's the ideal
2: minimum um, and for for and, a and, sort of production beginning sure yes and and zookeeper which again can be on if if you have like a very uh, small cluster, you, you can also collocate co- co- Zookeeper on the, on, on same node or or use. If you have VMs, you can just take like three small VMs for Zookeeper.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And so on a obviously on a on a cloud, um, you know, cloud first. Based sort of story you'd be looking at you know you'd start off with relatively smallish nodes but probably you'd start off with nine so you had you know three dedicated for bookkeeper three dedicated for pulsar and and three dedicated for uh, for zookeeper but you could you could start off with you know quite small instances
2: yes but but you can could, you could start, start start with 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 six uh, again so if you and and you can expand it later right so there's no no problem yep. indexing. right now they are collocated, but tomorrow i want to to scale independently there's mm-hmm. there's no issue, issue there
1: okay nice okay so um when we when we talk about um you, you were talking earlier about some of the sort of the differences between um kafka and pulsar you know what what would you say is a you know a, a specific example of um you know something that still makes sense to do it in kafka versus versus pulsar i mean is it the uh, my my guess would be and please please correct me if i'm wrong but my guess would be that if you're just looking at something like something relatively simple then kafka is probably still a, a good starting point um just because of the slightly lower complexity but if you if you expect that you're going to you know far faster uh, need far faster data processing or you're going to need a lot more of the additional functionality that pulsar brings then then pulsar may be a better sort of better place to start is that is that right or or where do you think that that sort of that that fits in
3: yeah uh, uh, again, i i can answer that uh so, uh, from my, my perspective is I think, uh, for like from, uh, from developer perspective, uh, it's probably like, uh, it's probably very easy to step uh, like a Kafka instance and just write your code and get, uh, your work done. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so from, uh, simplicity, uh, like, uh, developer, uh, easy perspective, you might uh, like from just thinking from your person, personal perspective, uh, Kafka might be the simple one to start. And, uh, but for, from uh, 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 the whole uh, project uh, organization wise, if uh, I have been seeing a lot of uh, companies, my, okay. I start uh, my Kafka clusters for my team to do that collection. And the other cluster, uh, the other, team in the organization to uh, set up another cl- Kafka clusters to, uh, for metrics connection. And maybe you have the third team to uh, set up yet another cl- Kafka cluster, uh, to, uh, uh, do some kind of streaming, uh, data collecting. So, uh, like from individual person perspective, you, uh, get Kafka and very easy to start. But you uh, might end up managing a lot of uh, individual small uh, clusters and uh, when your business grow and when your business uh, go into multiple functional teams, uh, your uh, traffic going up, this kind of um, uh, uh, multi-cluster solution or multi-cluster architecture doesn't really fit in, in your business. Uh, you might be looking more and more, you want a multi-tenant uh, cluster, which is Pausa is going to play well in this space. So that is uh, the difference I can see from uh, developer and also management perspective. And uh, the second part is uh, if you are running uh, uh, in a cloud environment, Uh, you probably want to looking into a more uh, cloud-friendly cloud-native solution like Pulsar. Yes, for sure you can uh, easily start uh, a cluster like Kafka in in cloud very uh, easily, but uh, you might be uh, need to write a lot of uh, scripts and uh, so it puts a lot of, uh, uh, overhead to the operation team because you need to write a lot of tools around, uh, how you want to, uh, handle data rebalancing, how you want to move the data, uh, how you want to expand the, uh, 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 cluster, uh, when the traffic goes. So, uh, from cloud first, or cloud native perspective, uh, uh, like, you probably want to, uh, like, you probably want to start, uh, uh with a solution that is more cloud friendly or cloud native. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, the last thing is from, uh, operation, uh, perspective. And I, I know because, uh, Kafka has been started, uh, from seven years and, uh, people, my already building, uh, different kind of tools around, uh, Kafka to operating this Kafka, uh, uh, the Kafka clusters and individual, like, large companies might end up have their own infrastructure, how to, uh, play with Kafka. From, uh, that perspective, Kafka has its own, uh, like, set of advantages, or like more, like, uh, knowledge around this space. And uh, Pulsar is coming a bit late in this space, but because of mm. uh, uh, thankful to its uh, architecture design, it doesn't really need to uh, write in a lot of operation tools uh, to operating a, a Pulsar cluster. You probably can just set up this cluster and operator can just forget this cluster and it actually running very well. So from, uh, I see, these kind of uh, bones of the system has its uh, 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 set up uh, advantage in disadvantage uh, between these kind of uh, different areas.
1: Okay, so uh, kind of interesting. One of the things that you you mentioned a couple of times there is the sort of you know cloud native um, sort of approach for um, for Pulsar. I mean, one of the one of the things about um, about, you know, the majority of cloud providers is of course they provide, you know, cloud storage layers. So things like, um, you know, Azure has a ADLS. Um, you've got, you know, S3 on, on Amazon and you've got, um, you've got solutions on, on Google, you've got, you know, Ceph and, and things on OpenStack. Um, is there, is there a, you know what what's the integration story between pulsar and and a cloud's sort of native storage mechanism?
3: that that is a, a very good question. And that what so fundamentally, if you see uh, Pulsar, it's it provides this kind of logic uh, topic partitions, which you can treat it as a append only log. So you keep appending the master data into this log. And the log is chunked into uh, segments uh, for each segments you start in a, a, right now it's in bookkeeper, but because uh, as I said, this we call a segment uh, century architecture and the, be- uh, the beauty of this architecture is uh, all this log is kind of a logical concept. It doesn't really tie to a specific, uh, hardware, a specific, uh, storage, uh, nodes, or uh, like a specific machines. And actually it's a uh, good abstractions that you can plug in different kind of, uh, uh, storage system. So you can image, you can, uh, store, uh, uh, a segment, uh, into Bookkeeper. You can also store a segment into, uh, in AWS, you can start it as a S3 object and, uh, Google, you can start as a blob in Google cloud, uh, ser- uh storage. So mm-hmm. in this way, you can actually treat it, this kind of segment is an abstraction of the storage unit that is able to be stored in different type of the, uh, storage system, which can be bookkeeper on cloud. It can be, uh, uh, as, three or GCS. So in that way, you can actually have do, uh, managing things like, uh, you can have, uh, what we call tier storage. What does that mean is you can put your fresh data or latest data in Bookkeeper, which provide, a uh, very high throughput and very low latency. You can, uh, streaming the data as fast as possible. And when Pulsar Broker rotates the, 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 the log or the, the topic partition, it can generate a new segment and write on the new data and the old segment became old. Then we can uh, transparently moving the data from bookkeeper to uh, cloud native storage, like S3 or GCS, and which would uh, be much cheaper for keeping data for much longer time. So in that way, you can actually Having the idea of the infinity stream storage in the cloud, because uh, you can keep the data as as long as all these kind of cloud provider can provide the storage. So that is the the feature what we call tier storage uh, that is comes come in into the picture of uh, a Passer two All
1: right, excellent. Um, so kind of one of the things i was interested in you know we, we talked a little bit about the the journey or you know when when to choose one technology or the other let's say somebody there's there's no shortage of kafka deployments out there at the moment it's it's become very very common um uh, you know common piece of infrastructure out there but let's say someone wants to you know seize the advantages that uh, uh, Pulsar can deliver and wants to go, you know, migrate to Kafka. What what does that journey look like? You know, what what's the migration path? Is it easy? Is it difficult?
2: I would say that for most of the uh, use cases, would be uh, you, you you can do uh, a seamless mi- migration. So there is also a compatibility API that you can oh, use nice. Kafka API and and write mm-hmm. and, and and consume from 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 Pulsar. It doesn't need to, to change the configuration and uh, basically change of Maven dependencies to to bring in the the Pursar Kafka uh, uh, compatibility API jar. And um, we have a table of what is supported and what not, but most of the features, most of the commonly used API uh, for process consumers are are supported. And uh, yeah, that's... So I
3: want to, uh, add on that is, uh, the API comparable, comparability is one way for, uh, for, for you can think of, uh, how to migrate, uh, from Kafka to Pulsar. But additionally, we also have this kind of concept of cost called Pulsar IO. What does that mean is, uh, IO, Pulsar IO is a framework that, uh, as I'm, I, point out earlier is we have this kind of lightweight uh, computing or lightweight processing uh, framework or library providing in Pulsar called Pulsar function. And we run, uh, so on top the Pulsar functions, we have a framework called Pulsar IO and it actually provides uh, connecting uh, uh, capability that you can uh, ingest data uh, from different, mat- uh, different sources, uh, different, uh, systems into, uh, into Pulsar, you can, uh, 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 dump the data from Pulsar to other systems. So you can actually easy to, uh, moving data from your existing system, uh, to Pulsar. And that can be, uh, used as, uh, a migration tool to, uh, moving data from Kafka to Porsa. So uh, all, your, all, your, all your data can be transparently be available in Pulsar, and then you can uh, use Pulsar uh, library or API to enjoy all the functionality that Pasa provides. All right.
1: All right. So... One of the things that we're a big fan of uh, on the podcast, Jon and myself, is, is NiFi. And in fact, Jon was doing some, uh, some sleuthing earlier, and he found a, a YouTube video uh, with um, sort of actually some, some explanation around using um, NiFi as ingest into Pulsar. Is this something that you, you kind of you see happening uh, a lot
2: uh, yes, actually, so there's, there's some work uh, happening on on having a, a, I don't think it's called connector, or in, in Nifi has another uh, term processor. But, uh, processor, yes. Uh, that's, uh there's a there's an, a pull request open to add uh, that uh, in, in Nifi itself to to have a processor processor to get data into processor.
1: Excellent, um, and the. I mean, we see we see Nifi being heavily used for you know connection connecting to wide varieties of uh, of yes. um, source systems. So I, I can see where that would that would make sense. But if, if people aren't using um, aren't using Nifi, you know, I in my opinion, they definitely should be. But what do other people <laughs> use to to feed Pulsar? Uh,
2: so there, there, there are different ways. So um, you can, of of course, using the just the KAI library. Uh, so, as Sid was was mentioning, that what we are trying to do is to make it easier to so that you can ingest data without writing any any code. Uh, so, by, by building this connector framework, which is called Parser IO, uh, mm-hmm. which the main idea is that you you should be able to just uh, submit a collector job or. Um, Say, create a connector from this source to a person topic or from this person topic into a sync and uh, and have the data uh, being uh, ingested or or, or 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 pushed out uh, automatically and uh, and having and one of the biggest thing about this this because it, is that the 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 runtime is managed on the source side so you can basically either uh, on the in the same process as as brokers or as a separate uh, component in a bigger cluster, uh, but you can have these basically these layer, this service layer that manages all your connectors, as long as we put uh, this lightweight compute as, as well.
1: Okay, excellent. Um, so, so something else that often happens in these kind of integration layers is the concept of um, once. So. Uh, seems to be fairly a little bit flexible as to how people define once and you get kind of at least once or at most once or exactly once um, in terms of the sort of event stream processing i mean what what does um, what does pulsar support uh, and what does what does that uh, what does that look like within a pulsar
2: world? Okay, so we support all three I uh, okay. just, just, just wanted to point out some differences. Uh, mm-hmm. So for example, like, the, the typical use case is commonly is at least once, right? In which you have yeah. persistence and you want data to be stored on disk and, uh, and you can deal with duplicates it's fine. And, uh, and typically we do that with the consumer API and that's very convenient, very easy so that the, your position is managed by the server and you just need to get a message acknowledged. Um, we also have at most ones, um, and by at most ones, we it actually is on the other ex- extreme, uh, it is is, is really just in, in memory messaging. And, uh, that is important because, uh, in some cases, you, for example, like if you have some telemetry that you just care about the latest actual value, and uh, and but you have large volumes of data, and you don't care to to back up if there is some network reach, for example, like if you don't get data, of course it might, might might not matter, but you just want to always have the latest available samples. So in that case, like we have no persistent messages for that, no no persistent topics for that, and. Uh, and uh, basically, this is just in-memory, so this is purely at most once in the sense that mm-hmm. uh, data will never be stored on disk, and uh, if you if you're not able, able to consume data, will not uh, uh, would be dropped, right? Uh, yeah. So that's on on the extreme, extreme, extreme uh, on on the load durability there, there, and and we also have this effectively effectively once mode, and uh, we stress on the effectively once versus exactly once. Uh, because, so exactly once is not a precise term. Uh, there is a lot of, uh, difference in, uh, difference interpretation of what exactly once is and, mm-hmm. and what, it, what the semantic it provides. And different systems have, they have like a huge variation of different, uh, uh, guarantees and they all, all, all of them called exactly, exactly once. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, every every vendor has exactly (laughs) once, but very very widely different guarantees. Um, So we call it effectively once because essentially what you need is that you want to be able to have a a 100% guaranteed way to discard duplicates. If you can do that, uh, then you can process your message exactly once. But you might receive the message multiple times, right? But... You you just need to have some hooks to make it possible to recognize that and discard the effect of that processing.
1: So you you might receive the message multiple times, but it, you would not pass it on effectively. You would you would you would discard the duplicates before it reached the the destination. That's correct.
2: So and um, again, there are, there are various degree. Uh, for example. So you can have multiple failures in, 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 in the system, right? So you have a, a producer that sends data to a broker. Uh, in our case, well, even in Kafka case, but in most cases, like, you have replication. So data has to be replicated into multiple nodes. There can be failures yeah. there as well. Uh, you might have a different replication. Again, broker to broker in a different data center. So that's another one failure path there. And, and then you have like, broker to consumer, right? Yeah. So all these legs can have failures, and when there's a failure, so you you resend the data, right? Um, until you get a, a positive a, a, a acknowledgement. So the 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 way we have in, in, in implemented is that we have um, a way to basically discard duplicates to when when writing into, into topic. So I'm I'm publishing. We are able to identify producers, and each producer has its own sequence of 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 messages, so the broker is able to um, detect that a producer is sending the data again after a failure. And so it is able to not store it a second time. And so the, the broker does this and this housekeeping, and this works even if the broker crashes and comes back. It's able to reconstruct the state. So the broker always knows what was the last message published by a given producer, even after it crashes. And, uh, even if a produ- producer crashes, we have a way to basically, it's kind of like a different sessions, right? Of a s- same, same producer. So you, you publish, you crash, and uh, now you come back and you want to restart. For example, like you're reading from a file and you want to publish each line as a message. And when you come back, you want to restart from where, where, where you left on, right? Mm-hmm. But you also want to I, I, I identify as the early producer. So there's a way that, uh, can either work automatically, or you, you, or you can uh, basically restart and say, "I want to start from this sequence ID and so on." So that's very uh, convenient and typical for like uh, for ch- change the data capture uh, scenarios in which, for example, like yeah. if you're like telling the database log and you have a way to have a like, transaction ID, so you, you need to tie your application domain uh, sequencing to the messaging domain so that the messaging can can use that to do the deduplication the work. Um, and for example, so a big a big difference is that in Kafka, for example, you cannot do this across session deduplication. So if your Kafka producer crashes, then your exactly once same guarantees are, are gone essentially because you create a, a new a new a new producer and that, that, that we have a new session. So on the consumer side the, on, the, on the consumer side we also have uh, another uh, API level which is called reader, which is similar to consumer but is is like a, is, is completely unmanaged. so that means that with a reader you can uh, specify which message you want to read from. because the trick on the consumer side is that you have to basically uh, update your position and and your state at the same time. so, what you typically would do is that you you get a message, you process it, and you store your result along with your uh, message uh, in a database or somewhere. And if you crash and come back, you can say, that oh, my last process process message was this one, so I I want to restart reading from this position.
1: Okay, excellent. Again, thank you. Thank you to the... uh, Streamlio folks that have uh, walked us through this first half of uh, really a bit more of an intro level mm-hmm. to Apache Pulsar Bookkeeper and all that good stuff.
0: Yeah, we're, um, mean. we're keeping good stuff for next time.
1: Exactly, exactly. But you know, some people may have not listened to our earlier episodes mm-hmm. on uh, on Apache Pulsar, so that's uh, it's another really good introduction to it. But uh, yeah, part two coming
0: up soon. Uh, yep. Yeah, so not next week because that's a news episode, but uh, the week after, unless the world ends.
1: In- and even then, which which we hope it's probably not going to happen. Um, at least the episode will, the uh, the <laughs> podcast will continue regardless, even if the end of civilization occurs. But given that that is about all the time we have for today. We hope you enjoyed this uh, (laughs) apocalypse-saving serving of bite-sized big data. We'll be back next week with a brand-new episode. Until then, please go to www.roaringelephant.org where you can find more information, including a feedback form. You can also follow us on Twitter using the #Hadoopcast tag and contact us by email to podcast at roaringelephant.org with any thoughts, comments, criticisms, and other feedback. Until then, my name is Dave. And my name is John. to talk to you next week.